2: And their
1: essential love of justice. Hi, welcome to the Code Zo Vine for May twenty ninth, two thousand twenty two, Labor Day weekend. I'm your host, David McLaughlin, joining me as always. Welcome, Tim Shiflett.
2: Good evening, sir. And it's Memorial Day weekend, not Labor.
0: What did I say?
2: <laughs> you said
1: Labor I Day. <laughs> Did I say Labor Day? Man, I just – You did. You did.
0: For real. Yeah.
1: Okay. (laughs) Memorial Day weekend, and I tell you what, and and that did lead into something is, um, you know, and we'll get into it the show content. is Memorial Day is, you know, to remember all those that died in combat, but given what's happened in our nation, it seems like Memorial Day is just memorializing, you know, people that die tragically for any reason in America these days. Sadly and so we can kind of get into that Tim you wrote an outrage of the week and so we're going to go Directly to that and then we'll start our discussion afterwards Yeah, I had to write
2: this David really because there are too many little angels today. There's too much sadness There are too many tears too many empty places too much of a sacrifice future and the loneliness and despair that fills the void created by these absences is is just overwhelming. The uh, The madness that permeates through our society is is a lot to deal with. It is both perplexing and enraging. And although there are workable solutions to at least temper the effects of this madness, that they are available, they're not being employed. For, for much of what needs to be done must be accomplished through government action. And once again, we see an equal division. Two camps exist at that level. In particular, the U.S. Senate's problematic 60 votes, as we know, are needed to overcome the modern enemy of legislation, the filibuster, and right now getting ten Republican votes for just about anything. Well, it's not going to happen. I know po- political reality that that getting sixty votes in this divided atmosphere is tough at best. But but in this case, the people of Buffalo. Of Uvalde, and a lot of other places need answers. They have paid a price for the answers they seek with their dearest blood. 89% of the American people support expanded background checks for gun purchases. The Republicans in Congress and at the state level refuse to act. 86% of the American people support red flag laws. Nothing is being done. Sixty percent support banning high-capacity magazines. Fifty-six percent support banning assault weapons sales. Fifty-two percent support mandatory assault weapons buyback programs. And on action, we have nothing and nothing and more nothing. And Republicans have stopped all of it. We have witnessed in the past decade the mass shootings of six-year-old children, of people grocery shopping, of people enjoying an outdoor concert, of people in church, of people in a nightclub, of people targeted because of their skin color or ethnicity, and of fourth grades and their teachers. We know for a fact that we are the only advanced country in the world in which this keeps happening. And we know the reason that we continue to endure this again and again is that other countries have done something about gun violence, and we simply do not do anything about it in the 10 years of the assault weapons ban from 1994 to 2004, mass shootings in this country dropped by 43%. Since 2004, they have more than quadrupled. Those numbers are not debatable. Those are official government and law enforcement numbers. They exist, And that ban and the absence of it now are the only reason those numbers do exist. So I'm going to stop for a minute with the numbers. Although numbers tell a story, numbers are not action. Because the time for talk needs to be gone. We we need to move now. As history shows, talk is something that people pay attention to on gun violence for a fixed amount of time. We know that when media coverage of these tragedies is heavy, as as they are right now, that is when support of strengthened gun laws increases. Then, as the coverage subsides, support decreases back to pre-tragedy levels, people forget, and the cycle repeats with the next tragedy. And with no action, there will be a next tragedy. So... We have a short window. thing must be done and done now. Look, in 1988, metal tips on long darts were banned. The sale of them were banned. Know why? Children were tragically killed with these things. You know how many children were killed? Three. Three. And that produced a nationwide ban. And now... Gun violence is the leading cause of death among children and teens in America. We are running late. The death of the first child from this horrible and violent epidemic was the best time to do something about it. And the death of the next child will be too late to do something about it for that child. We can't fix the past. I know that. But we can change the future. Change it now. Get to work. Achieve some real solutions. Do something. And anyone's libertarian notion that the Second Amendment is a blanket freedom, that's not a solution. Leave that out of it. And, and turning some second-grade teacher into an armed guard is total lunacy. So, so
0: don't.
2: Hardening schools or whatever that. Is. Of it. total nonsense the shootings are everywhere folks and, and quit saying that not addressing mental health is the problem no it's a problem not the problem i got a list do this number one strengthen background checks number two reinstate the assault weapons ban number three stop the sale of high capacity magazines number four raise the age of gun purchases to twenty one Five, pass red flag laws in every state. Six, make all first-time gun buyers pass a gun safety course and get a license to carry. And seven, pass a law that requires anyone who brings firearms into bars, schools, churches, government buildings, or any facility which prohibits firearms to serve time for doing so. Try those things. If at least some of that does not produce results, and you know what? I'll stand down. I won't say anything else. One thing is evident, though, everyone. What we now do does not work. Well, why don't we try it another way? Let's try something else. 111 people in this country die daily from gun violence. That's 40,515 people yearly. Do something to stop this. Let us see you that are in government trying to do something. And to the voters that hear me tonight, if nothing is done, hold these office holders accountable. Do it with your votes in mass. I suspect that if a bunch of them lose their jobs over this issue, then the next bunch will be more than happy to try to do something about it. And I really believe that the fundamental change will occur when politicians, in particular these Republicans, get voted out of office over there in action on this issue. Or you Republicans in Congress and legislatures around the country can prove me wrong on that one and go into action right now. For once, give me no outrage To discuss, David
1: Yes Um, And you said, you know, the next one Actually yesterday, or last night uh, Six people were shot In Chattanooga, Tennessee Luckily, uh, none of them Fatally, although two people I think are in pretty severe condition But hopefully they'll pull through But still, I mean, it wasn't Even a whole week Before the next, you know Mass shooting um, in Chattanooga um, and they talk about hardening the doors, which is you know which is a <laughs> strange uh, term. But I mean, really, schools have been locking doors and and you know having one entry point. Honestly, a lot of schools have no just open entry points because a lot of schools, you go to a door, you press a button, you tell them who you are. They have a camera to look at you to let you in that first checkpoint. That's it. I, I can't tell you how many schools. Um, I've been to that are like that and so they've already kind of you know created that one true entry point now obviously you have to have more entrances and exits for people to function in a school and students to change classes and just to be able to have a regular day I mean how are people going to have recess and go outdoors uh, outdoor classrooms and all this stuff if you're just going to lock people in. And the only reason, way I can think of that is you make it like a prison and you razor wire the um, perimeter just like a prison, um, which to me that would be a very, very sad state of affairs. And you have to think, why are we having to do this? You know, what's the reason things have to be this way? That only takes care of schools. Tim, you mentioned Las Vegas, and I think Las Vegas is a very yeah. important example. There's no way to hardened doors on an outdoor concert that's out in the open there's no checkpoints you can come up with those people were just living their lives enjoying music and did nothing wrong and they were shot out in the open even though i think sandy hook was more tragic because it was six-year-olds i think las vegas punched holes in all these theories more than any other tragedy like this
2: yeah.
1: Oh, well, I mean, think about the Pulse
2: nightclub down there in Florida. They were hollering, well, there only needs to be, some people actually said, one door, one entry and exit door at the schools. Well, guess what the Pulse nightclub had? Pretty much that. And people were just shot down, you know, by a gunman that walked in that one door. Uh, they say, well, there need to be uh, armed, armed people at every school. And we saw the problems with that just the other day with all them cops outside for over an hour while this was going on. I mean, I want everybody to – David, picture your, say, first-grade teacher. Could you imagine him or her, uh, for most of us uh, along our age it was a her, uh, uh, you know, packing packing iron and uh, shooting bad guys? But, I mean – I couldn't. I, no, I mean, what are they thinking? If cops can't stop an eighteen-year-old with a AR fifteen, a, a school teacher? Are they kidding me? They're asking school teachers to be human shields, or, or? Oh, come on. We got realistic answers. Why don't they go to those? When ninety percent of the American people is some, is for something. They, they, including a majority of the people that vote Republican, how can they lose on that issue if they're worried about losing on, on an issue? Explain, explain that to me. What is their thinking when 90% of the American people want expanded background checks and they won't even have a vote, much less do anything about it?
1: Yeah, I tell you, I I think, uh, you know how the Republicans, they point to a lot of things, and and I think somebody pointed to movies, and I thought, well, you know, they're kind of on to something with the movies, but they're not on to what they think they're on to. I think they watch enough movies where whatever action hero, you know, shoots these people and takes care of these guys and, and thwarts these criminals and never, you know, maybe gets grazed in the arm. And and ends up taking out, you know, 10, 20 bad guys on the way to saving the day. And they watch these movies, and they somehow believe this is real life. And you can give, you know, Mrs. Jones in the second grade class a gun, and she's going to turn into Bruce Willis off the Die Hard series. I mean, it's just nonsensical. But I really do believe that their judgment has been clouded by movies Thinking that just anybody can turn into one of these action heroes yeah, and if they're given the right weapons.
2: In the meantime, people, people, people in all the advanced countries in the world watch these movies. People in all the advanced uh, countries in the world have these mental health issues to deal with. People in all these. Uh, advanced countries have all of these other issues that we have in this country. But the difference is they have legislatively done something about gun violence. And we simply have not done it and don't, we don't appear to be in a position where we're going to do it. That is the only major difference in us and the rest of the world, and how is it that people cannot see that?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I definitely do think it's the guns. That's the number one factor. But let's just say that we have more mental illness, that we watch video, or we play video games, and we turn more violent because we watch the video games. We watch the movies, and we emulate it more. As Americans, isn't that a bigger issue that we would have to look at? I I mean, because if you're saying it's really all these other things, but then we're more susceptible to it than other nations, that's a whole other set of issues that we'd have to deal with. Well, you know what? I mean, it's just the guns. That's pretty – Straight cut right a handle.
2: There's there's plenty of issues out there. We can are plenty of things we can do. That is not just the guns. A lot of these shooters are under the age of twenty, as this shooter was this week, as the shooter was up there in Buffalo. You know what? Why don't we raise the age for for purchasing firearms in this country from eighteen? to 21. They've done that all over the place with alcohol. They've done that all over the place with tobacco, you know, tobacco products. But, you know, I mean, a kid can't buy a beer in a bar, but he can walk in a gun shop and apparently without ID to boot and buy these weapons of mass destruction. And and I would like to know why that's okay. What in what world is that all right? In what world is that a good idea? I don't get it. Why not do that? How many lives would you save if you if you raised did did that one thing? Well, I guess you'd raise a lot of them. You would have certainly uh, saved the lives of all those kids uh, in Uvalde this week and those two teachers. Because the killer was 18 years old, and he wouldn't have been able to legally purchase the firearms that he used. Why not do that?
1: Yeah, I mean, it seems totally sensible. sensible. During this term that Greg Abbott has served, uh, he signed a bill where you have to show an ID to purchase a number of medications. And one of them was Vicks. I don't know if that was Vicks. Cough Drops? Or Vicks Vapor Rub, but apparently Vapor Rub or Vicks cough drops is more tightly regulated than assault weapons. I mean, that's just bizarre. I mean, in
2: Texas, drops,
0: vapor rub, in
2: Texas huh? your ability in Texas, your ability to vote is more tightly regulated than your ability is to buy firearms legally. Uh, it's tougher to get a driver's license than it is to buy firearms legally. In Georgia now, you can open carry just to about anywhere that will let you in the door,
0: including
2: bars and churches and you name it. In Michigan, you can walk in government buildings, as we saw a couple of years ago, even the state capitol and uh, with a firearm. Uh This is a Wild West show. What do they expect is going to happen when there's 400 million guns in a country with 332 million people and about half of the people own just about all of those guns? What do they expect is going to happen when somebody with mental illness can go get a gun? What do they they think is going to happen? More guns? don't mean less shootings. More guns means more shootings. What what do they think is going to happen? And what do they think is going to happen if if we try to pass all these laws, and some of them are very worthy, but if we don't address guns as part of of the conversation, what do they think is going to happen? Well, what's happening? How do they explain what's happening? They can't explain it by saying, well, we don't go to church like we should, or or, our kids come from broken homes. You know, I'm tired
1: of hearing that. It's just nonsense. It's nonsense. My goodness. Well, I mean, there there is a place right now that you can't go and take your gun into, and it's been this weekend's NRA convention. (laughs)
2: <laughs> um, they have metal
1: detectors. You are not allowed to bring in guns. To the Isn't States. that nice? Um, yeah, it, that's just beyond ironic. It. And here's the thing. Let's just say you believe. Like you're like, you know, it's single-parent homes, and it's not going to church that's causing this. Can you write a law under our Constitution where you force people to go to church? You make church service compulsory with our First Amendment? Can you force people to stay married? Or um, if, there's a child, if there's a pregnancy out of, um, out of wedlock, obviously, you know, one party would definitely make the, the mother have the baby. Do you then force the parents to get um, uh, married if, if there's multiple possibilities on who the father is? Do you run people down and give them paternity tests and find out who the father is and force them to get married? Can you legally do that? If you did, would it be productive? I mean,
0: they're well, wanting
2: to return
1: to a nostalgic era that probably never existed. But how do you even legislate that? So if you can say that this would make it the most wonderful thing, but you can't legislate that, then it's a moot point. And who's not going to think yeah, well, that? Yeah, well, you know, this kid
2: walked into church in South Carolina. Uh, a few years ago and uh, shot all nine people that he found there and killed There's a church shooting over in Alabama a couple of years ago, one up in a mosque up north a couple of years back. What? What about all of that? Churches ain't safe either. Churches don't help either. They go in them and they kill people too. Those are not sanctuaries anymore. No place is safe in this country anymore. They've got to come to that realization. All those places that I mentioned were each and every one just totally different venues with totally different things going on, and they had the one thing in common. They were all the sites of mass shootings. You can take these kinds of weapons— and cops are not. You can go and you can shoot a lot of people in a hurry. That is their purpose. They were designed for the military, for combat. That's where they belong. They belong off the streets. One type of weapon in this country that absolutely must be banned as a result of all this is, is, is these assault weapons. They've got to be banned again. I don't want to hear nobody talking about well-defined. Th-, you know, I, I I don't want to hear anything that. Just do it. Just do it. Enough of this. The other side has had their way for far too long. They've loosened all these gun laws. They've made everything available for sale easily. They're doing away with all kind of licenses. They're just making it easier and easier. And the killing, the shooting is getting worse and worse. And you know what? That's it. Enough. Either do something or prepare yourselves, uh, Nation of America, for this to continue and, and probably increase in ferocity as we go because that's where we're heading. That's what's happening. And that's just that. So we're at the either do it. R.L.'s
1: point, Art David. Yeah, um, I, I know we kind of got to, you know, close up this part of it, but I saw uh, prime Minister, former prime minister of Australia, John Howard, um, on television this morning, and he was uh, the prime minister when their 30-some-odd people were killed in um, a shooting in Tasmania, um, an island off the coast of Australia that's part of the mainland or part of the country. And they passed some very strict gun laws, um, confiscated weapons, or did buy, buybacks, I believe. I think it was a buyback program. But he said, you know, people talk about gun rights, but isn't the most basic human right to be able to live and live safely? And, and you know, I was like, that's, you know, life's liberty and the pursuit of happiness if you can't live, you can't pursue happiness. Um, shouldn't that take precedence over the Second Amendment? I mean, of course, that was an Australian in day that. But this is a conservative yeah. Australian that was good friends with George W. Bush. Um, yeah, and kind of David – uh, Go ahead, Tim.
2: Well, I was going to ask you. Uh, we, we can't uh, go too far in this program without mentioning – uh, what a certain u s Senate candidate had to say in Georgia about all of this this week, do we want to do that now, or wait a minute
0: yes
1: and you, well, let's let 's talk about that because here 's the thing is you've got you 've got to elect serious people that want to solve these problems, um, and when you have somebody that proposes a committee to looking at young men, looking at young girls, looking at social media, or young women, looking at social media. I mean, uh, no one even knows what exactly that word salad means. I saw somebody Twitter on Twitter trying to explain what they thought happened, and it was like, if you're having to do that, that's just too much. Um, obviously, it was kind of, let's blame social media, but once again, Japan, Germany, Germany, um, Italy,
0: uh, Great Britain, uh,
1: Australia—you keep naming. They all have social media, but uh, all have uh, mass you know, David, on unfortunately a uh, daily basis now. Uh, I,
2: I, I'm sitting uh, what, here what looking at
1: the.
2: Yeah, well, I, I'm sitting here looking at the entire thing you said. I'm going to read it right quick. Cain killed Abel, and that's the problem that we have. What we need to do is look into how we can stop those things. You know, you talked about doing a disinformation. What about getting a department that can look at young men that's looking at women, that's looking at their social media? What about doing that? Looking into things like that, and we can stop that that way, but yet they want to just continue to talk about taking away your constitutional rights and there's more things we need to look into this has been happening for years and the way we stop it is putting money into the mental health bill by putting money into other departments rather than departments that want to take away your rights I'll be honest with you I don't have a clue what any of that just said and what it has to do With the problem of gun violence in America, that doesn't even make any sense, does it?
1: I mean, Cain killed Abel. That's just a murder of someone that knew someone else. And, yes, we don't want murder to happen, but this was a Uh, different type of crime.
0: uh, It didn't didn't even make any sense. whole department
1: of social media, you know, (laughs) they they see that problems if people do regulate social media. But I don't know – a lot of people knew these about these texts. There was no time to respond because the response rate of the department that was looking at young men, looking at women, and looking at social media is uh, – I'm trying to be serious here. If something was put on social media that was a red flag, something that Republican uh, representative from Dan Crenshaw of Texas came out against, red flag laws, by the time – you were able to respond to this unless somebody, you know, talked about it a week in advance. If they put something on social media and then go out and do whatever heinous thing they're going to do, there's no time for that government agency to take any kind of action. It would just help investigate after the fact. And that's not what we need. We need prevention, not investigation, not analysis. Hey, you know what I'm
2: fearful of? and and i think uh there's there's pretty good evidence of this i'm fearful that the top levels of our government are dumbing down at a very alarming rate i mean look at the last president look at look at our present member of congress look at some of these people and some of the things that they are saying and doing that are just i don't know bizarre things that that make no sense at all. And, And we want to put these people at the upper reaches of our government. We want these people in charge of fixing all of these terrible problems that we have here and around the world. My goodness, people better think about this, man. People ain't even thinking right when they vote anymore. My goodness. But anyway, I just thought we had to get that in about You know, Herschel Walker, who is now uh, officially the Republican nominee to take on Reverend Warnock in November.
1: Yeah, I mean, and and that was a case where they had the chance to nominate several people that were more qualified. And I said, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I mean, I heard interviews Mm -hmm. from several of those candidates and know their backgrounds, and Latham Mm -hmm. Stadler If you would give a a gentleman like that $10 million, $20 million to run a real campaign, that would put uh, Senator Warnock in a position where he would really be in a tough race because he would have a legitimate, serious opponent, an opponent that I probably don't agree with on a lot of political issues at all, but at least somebody that's competent, that has a background, that can discuss issues in a real way, could get in a debate. Um, with with Reverend Warnock that would be, you know, serious I mean, if if Herschel Walker gets in a, de- a debate Or three debates which have been proposed With um, Raphael Warnock That is going to be ugly uh, I mean, it, it's going to really expose How then, woefully unprepared yeah. um, You
2: know, you know, you know, what you know what I'm, you know, you know You know what I'm thinking about? What if he wins the election? That's what I'm thinking about. I mean, how terrible, how horrible. Well, he's one step closer now. Nathan Sadler got 8.8% of the vote. Gary Black got 13.4% of the vote. Either of those men are light years better than Herschel Walker is. You know, great running back, college football, Hall of Fame, in my estimation, the best college running back I ever saw. And it's tough for me to say that as a Georgia Tech fan, but the guy really was. That's great. Give him all those accolades. That doesn't qualify him in any way to be a U.S. senator. And believe me, with these kinds of statements and some other things, he is not qualified to be a U.S. senator, but he is one step away in a state that is equally divided, and it's all about turnout. And if their voters turn out and ours don't, he's going to win the election. That's that's scary.
1: Yeah, um, and I'll tell you, I mean, and you know it can happen because Tommy Coverville was elected. Marsha Black has right. been elected. They are woefully – inadequate to be senators. And then in the House of Representatives, I mean, Ringling Brothers and Barnum & Bailey Circus shut down. I heard they're coming back without animals. If they want to pick up all their clowns that were out of work, they can probably get a dozen out of Congress at any moment right now. Um, They can take them Mm -hmm. back because they're a a disservice. But you know that if all those folks got elected, then Herschel Walker could win. I mean, it's certainly plausible. Mm-hmm. Now, I will contend to you, and hopefully we'll get more polling, that you will be able to find a lot more Kemp-Warnock voters than you can Abrams-Walker voters. And so I have to think that if the races are close, if if neither winning candidate, be it Raphael Warnock or Brian Kemp, get over, say, 52%, 51%, then um, – you know, then Raphael Warnock, well, obviously if he got, you know, over and he was the higher candidate, um, he would win. But even if he's lower than Brian Kemp, there'll be enough split-ticket voters that he could still defeat Herschel Walker. Because the surprising thing about those results is, one, we were surprised, I think, by how much, you know, how much of the vote that Brian Kemp got. But Brian Kemp actually outpolled Herschel Walker. And I think we all expected... Yeah. David Uh, Perdue to be a stronger candidate than Gary Black or Latham Sadler or whomever, and even Candace mm -hmm. Taylor was getting more attention than some of the down-ballot U.S. Senate candidates, but people did not vote for Herschel Walker, the primary. Now, are they just going to say, well, he's the Republican. I'm going to vote for him now, or are there going to be people that are going to say, can't do that either. I'm just going to leave it blank, or I'm going to vote for Raphael Warnock because he's an educated adult. Kemp did outpoll Walker uh, by five and a
2: half percent. That's that's a pretty good jump, and you do make a point there. But but uh, what what I'm worried about now is the the Republican Party has a way of coming together that sometimes the Democratic Party does not have. What did what what is our one of our favorite sayings? Democrats fall in love, and Republicans fall in line. They really do. I've got to believe that every Republican in this state is going to walk in there and vote for every Republican candidate on the ballot because they want not only the, the state house, they want the Capitol, they want the White House, they want the courthouse, they want it all, and they're willing perfectly to vote for people of inferior quality, if need be, as long as they got the R behind their name. And they've already proved that by some of these members of Congress, a couple of those senators that you mentioned. And I believe it's just as possible in this state as it is in any other state because the polls are showing simply that Republican voters are coming to vote and our voters simply are not coming to vote. It's just that simple. We we need to outvote them, and for some reason, nothing seems to get our voters excited. If some of this stuff that's going on don't excite them, if 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 all these shootings don't don't get our voters riled up, uh, and and if if if, if you know losing women's rights don't get, you know, our voters riled up then I would like to know what is going to get our voters out there to vote. Or are we just going to lose this year because we don't yeah, I vote. Think a- Is it that
1: simple? Yeah, turnout's a major question, Mark, because in North Carolina and Georgia, I mean, the, the, the age statistics were just abysmal. Voters under 29 just didn't vote so you're going to think Oh they're just so democratic they're like I don't care who the democrat is I'm going to support The democrat and then they turn out in big Numbers if, if that's the case well, There is a saving grace although we Have New Jersey and Virginia to look at and we know that Didn't happen in the off year elections well, um, Although a mm-hmm, lot has but, happened You know since the off year elections But um, that is and, a Huge question mark and, Now I and Georgia the difference from the two races in Georgia Is the Republicans have made a concerted effort, and I bet some of their polling shows that this works. They've made, I think, in Charles Bullock's words, a goblin. Um, when and he didn't talk about her specifically; he talked about just a, you know, a metaphorical boogeyman out of Stacey Abrams. They talk about how how much you must fear her getting control, and you saw that throughout the primary.
0: You never
1: saw that with Raphael Warnock. And you never – and even I've heard that the the RNC has done some polling, and Raphael Warnock is just a poor target to try to make a boogeyman out of, and so they're trying to do other things. Well, if they can't do this playbook that they can do in one race on the other race, that is going to make it more difficult for them.
2: Well, there were 400,000 more Republican voters turned out for the primary than there were Democratic voters. Uh, do you think that's because of uh, the top two races being more competitive and high profile? When in our case, Stacey Abrams and Warnock had token or no opposition. Do you believe that's what turned out the the bigger bunch of voters by far for the Republicans?
1: I think that's
2: possible.
1: I wouldn't just you know bank on it and say that's it. I think also there are more counties in Georgia, uh, rural counties where the local race for county and sheriff or what have you are decided on the Republican side. And so maybe um, that factored into where people voted there, too. Um, I'll tell you this. A lot of the voters for first-time voters. I want to say 50 percent of the voters that voted in this primary were vote, uh, are voters that did not vote in the 2018 primaries. And I should say not – first-time voters, first-time primary voters. It's voters that mm-hmm. are kind of not as used to voting all the time. And so mm-hmm. I am wondering if that Trump-like voter, and even though someone might have still voted for Brian Kemp and Brad Raffensperger and all those people surprisingly, maybe they decided, hey, it's the new end thing to really participate in politics, which that means if those folks that are more conservative-leaning just become every time the polls open, they show up. Those kind of voters are valuable, and I think a lot of times we dismiss those voters. We get into, oh, we got to do this to turn out. We've got to do that to turn out. And you do have to work on turnout, obviously,
0: mm-hmm. but it does
1: make it so tough when you have to fire your people up and the other side just shows up. When you're just mm-hmm. like, hey, polls are open. They all show up, and you gotta, you know, tell people to vote like they've never voted before. Vote or die. Vote like your life depends on it, and give all these pep rallies. That's a lot of work. You know, we just need a lot of people to just show up because you. It's important. Mm-hmm. It's your civic
0: duty. Mm-hmm.
1: Just do it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, and that's mm-hmm. why sometimes I wouldn't mind if our voters were sometimes a little older. A little more established, but they just show up, it'd be a lot easier um for whatever reason so so it
0: so, it so, we,
1: so we had a lot of races
2: that happened Tuesday night in georgia uh why don't why don't we uh talk about them what What do you see, for instance, that sticks out at you in all these uh results in Georgia?
1: Well, I think we had some things we were right about, some things we were wrong about, and I had one that I was wrong about because I went on the the line the biggest. Um, Let's go into congressional real quick. I said, and we were right on this, we all said that, um, uh, and when I say all, we, uh, Barnani, our guest last week, said this too that uh, Marjorie Taylor Green would not be pushed in a runoff and she sure wasn't pushed in any kind of runoff. But on the other side I actually said that Vernon Jones would not make the runoff. I thought he'd finish third. Um and Paul mm-hmm. Brown would finish uh second. He uh, finished fourth, uh, but uh, Vernon Jones did make the runoff. So I was definitely and he, on made, it. And and he made it pretty
2: close too. He was only yeah. he was only four points behind Collins. They got a race so, right so that'll there So that'd be in interesting. So so uh-huh.
1: Any other congress both congressional races or any other that stuck out at you?
2: Well, you know, Marjorie Taylor Green, to nobody's surprised. She got almost seventy percent of the votes. Strahan got sixteen point nine, uh uh, over on the Democratic side. Marcus Flowers got about seventy five percent of the vote. He won in every county. He won heavily um across the district and uh, you know, it was just it was just his race, and uh, I, I really, really hate it for Wendy Davis, uh, our friend uh, and a person I supported and, and tried to help in this thing. And uh, um, I hope if you're listening, Wendy, we we want you to come back and and do other things in politics in this area because politics in this area really needs people like you in it. Um Lucy Mcbath more than doubled Carolyn Bordeaux's <laughs> vote. I was not surprised that McBath won, but by the size of the vote um that that's uh that's a statement right there. We've already mentioned the tenth district uh there's going to be a runoff on the democratic side in that district too uh for those interested um and and I guess we should congratulate Nikema Williams, who got 86% of the vote in the Democratic primary in her district. You got anything you'd like to say about the congressional races in
1: Georgia? Yeah, I, I'll tell you, I wish that, that that Democratic primary in Georgia 14, the money and donations would have followed the accomplishments, because Wendy's accomplished so much on the Rome City yeah. Commission and got a real record, which is – I can't. I guess, like you know, Buddy Darden might have been the last time we had a candidate running for Congress in this area that actually had a governmental record uh, to run on. Right. Um, right. You know, I guess maybe Jim Frey. Uh, he, he did. He did win the primary. Actually, I'm not sure he filed, mm-hmm. but in the end, but he he was maybe had a governmental record. It's pretty rare yeah. that uh, someone yeah. has that. Um I think we kind of yeah. knew where that um, seventh congressional race was going. Um, in that sixth congressional race, there were some candidates that gave up state house seats, uh, Megan Hansen and finished like fourth, um, and and that kind of thing. So that was kind of surprising, um, kind of talking about an area, you know, a few weeks ago we had, um, people that were from Morgan County that were opposing the Reviant plant Mm -hmm. and, um, I, and I wanted to look at that Morgan, Walton, Newton, that whole area, and see, like, was David Purdue going to do better? And David Purdue did a little bit better, not significantly yeah. Oh, yeah. in any way, which tells me that either A, there's not the majority of people in that area that oppose that plant, or B, they oppose the plant, but they still voted for Purdue. Which I, I don't know which, which one it is, um, but but I don't think there's any well, chance to stop that plant in any way per, now. Basically, Purdue
2: Purdue was beaten so badly by you know more than fifty points that I, I just think we we have to consider the fact that people just did not want to vote for David Purdue. They didn't like him, no matter what stance he took on any issue. Uh, that we're going to vote for for Kemp. And uh, I guess it's a testament as much to the campaign that Kemp ran as it was the terrible campaign that that Purdue ran. Uh, And he he did run a terrible campaign. So people just wasn't going to vote for him, no matter the area of the state or what was going on or anything else. I think
1: it has to be that. Yeah, it's so weird, and I do want to move on to some other races, but the 2018 Brian Kemp campaign and the 2022 campaign he ran as uh, an incumbent were just totally different. It was like he mm-hmm. ran in 2022 like he was Casey Cagle from 2018. Um, it was mm-hmm. it, you know it was none of that you know nonsense with the truck and the dynamite. I guess he didn't have to resort to that. But it was just so odd. He changed who he was, and it was it was like whichever he did worked for him. I don't know why. Um, that'll be a mystery that maybe I'll learn between now and November. Because right now I'm pretty perplexed on you know how his political career works, the way he's changed. Well, let me talk about one more thing that's important. Because when I always get some other states, this is two cycles in a row in which the Democratic Party has a candidate that was, I guess, more highly recruited, more highly thought of. And on the insider circles, people, you know, knew about this candidate, but obviously the whole of the Democratic Party didn't. In 2018, it was Cindy Zeldin for insurance commissioner. This time it was state representative Matthew Wilson. And both times, even though I think they were the presumed favorite by the people that were really in the know, and i won't put no in and air quotes they don't even make it out of the um primary to get the nomination. Was you kinda of surprised by Matthew Wilson's results.
2: Uh a little bit, yeah. I thought it would run better. Uh but again, sometimes uh the it, what the insiders see and what other folks see are uh, are two different things. I've got I've got to think like take our congressional race for instance. i I g I gotta think that a lot of the party people probably voted for Wendy Davis, but the average voter, obviously in the district, voted heavily for Marcus Flowers. I think that that some of that goes on all the time, and and uh, party folks, people that are too close to the action, people even like us, misgauge uh, misgauge that by how popular they are within the party. That don't
1: always mean they're popular with the voters. Yeah, but, I mean, that didn't happen to Jim Jordan. It didn't happen to B-Win. Some other candidates, I think, that were kind of fitting that piece. Even Charlie Bailey, who didn't get uh, first place, he still made the runoff, and we'll see if he can beat Kwanzaa Hall. Good job on your part um, recognizing about Kwanzaa Hall, um, you know, uh, doing well in that race. But let's move on Mm. to some other states because I do think there were some other interesting results from the country. Texas had their runoff, um, and obviously you know, parts of Texas had much, much more important – really, our nation had much more important things than elections that night. But I'm sure a lot of it was early vote. A lot of it was outside of that um, San Antonio, rural San Antonio and suburban area. Um, But George P. Bush lost – who Ken Paxson, who's under investigation, and the Bush family, you know, they really went, I won't say all out, but they went out as much for a political race in the past six years um, since, George, since Jeb Bush was in the Republican primary. They went out to help him win this attorney general race, raising money, calling in political favors. It didn't matter. Uh, Tim, how surprised were you by that result? Not at all. The Bush era is over. Now, all eras in politics,
2: including family rule, uh, they they run their course. <laughs> Very obviously, right now, the Republican Party, including in Texas, is not is not the party that the Bush family came up in, and uh, they're not liked or. or sought after as they once were it happened to the kennedys it you know it it, 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 on the democratic side their 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 time ended and and that that is the end of of the bushes as a force uh, particularly in the state of texas and that that uh most pundits said that was coming and and
1: that's exactly what happened Yeah, what do you think um, is going to happen now uh, with George W. Bush, Laura Bush, Jeb Bush – I've forgotten her first name, but Jeb Bush's wife and George P. Bush's mother? um, Because they've been attacked by a lot of the Republican base, and they seem to have moved – um a different place from where um they serve when they served as president and governor. Do you think they become more outspoken on the re- direction of the Republican Party now that they don't have to worry about Jeb P. Bush in a primary I'm sorry, George P. Bush in a primary. Well they might or they they might go to the other
2: extreme and just say, you know what, that's it for us. We're done. They could do that too. I would I would like to think they would not do that. I would like to think they will always be speaking out. What I'm concerned about right now, though, is who in the world is listening to them. The only people that I think that are really listening to them are those that have already done something, like our friend uh, Matthew Dowd and some of them who have, you know, officially cut ties with the Republican Party over this and are doing their speaking out either as independents or actually as Democrats now or something like that. I really, really, really in my heart of hearts don't expect the Bushes to just abandon the Republican Party because their ties are so deep, uh, their their service is so long in the Republican Party. But I just don't know where there's a place for them there. Now, if there's not a place for them in their own state's party, in the backyard of their power base, where do they go?
1: Yeah, I I don't know. I I don't – in the current construction of the Republican Party, they have no place. And there's a lot of people that I don't think have a place. In this current construction of the Republican Party, I think there's a lot of I mean, a good number of people. But then obviously um, I don't think they have a place, in, in, you know, it's not like they could switch and become Democrats. I don't think they could get there either. So yeah. either they try to become influencers but don't have any idea of serving, which I mean I don't think George W. Bush is obviously. You've been to the pinnacle of American politics. Laura Bush has shown no political inclinations; They would just want to be like, you know, maybe spoilers for a Donald Trump in the future or something like that. Um I don't know what George P. Bush does out of this because now, you know, where does he go? Because this is the Republican Party he sees in Texas. is the Republican Party he's going to see most places, maybe not all fifty states, but most places in
2: America. That's right. Uh, You know what, though? The funny thing is the big story in Texas this week was the bravery um, and the speaking out of a Democrat at the statewide level. David, I know you are a huge fan of Beto O'Rourke. I have got to give him major kudos for the courage he displayed this week and the leadership he displayed that the man he's running against is not displaying. I just wanted to say that to you.
0: Yeah,
1: and I think he knows he's not going to win this race being safe, and he may not win this race at all. I mean, the poll numbers mm-hmm. have not been good, and I think he's just speaking from his heart. He's just like, hey, what right. campaign yep. on the campaign I want to run. And I right. think he feels passionate about this issue. He always has because El Paso was in his district, and that Walmart got shot up. And, you know, those poor, like, yep. this is not the time. Well, he could have confronted Greg Abbott about the El Paso shooting, about the Santa Fe High School shooting in Texas. Um, yeah. You know, Was it not the time to talk about it then? Um, I, I do think Greg, Greg Abbott, it, it really is kind of amazing that – He's lost a lot of you know uh, I think political capital this week, but he should already lost a lot from the power grid thing, and I didn't experience firsthand. I just read about it. I just saw reports mm-hmm. on it, but you would think there'd be too many things piling up for Greg Abbott, and he wouldn't have such a lead like he does um, but we'll see how the you know polling impacts this because this whether yep. you agree with a lot of his policies on different things, he's not handling things very well. He's not showing a lot of leadership.
2: Yeah, and before we leave Texas, wanted to mention a couple of congressional races that happened out there this week, runoffs. As we know everyone was looking at the 28th district where Henry Cuellar was fighting for his very political life and a runoff against uh, Jessica Cisneros, who he's run against before. Well, as all the votes have been counted except for some mail-in and provisional ballots they won't be start counting again until tuesday and he's 175 votes ahead of her out of 45209 votes there's that one there's another race the 15th uh district this one really is unbelievable you got uh, michelle Vaheo. Uh, progressive candidate, she leads uh, Ruben uh, Ramirez, a much more moderate candidate, by a grand total of 27 votes. In a district the Republicans view as, as their top pickup opportunity in the state of Texas. 27 votes, David, and people think their vote doesn't count? My goodness. So there, there was, there was those two uh, man. Those, those are some close races, and progressives in state states like Texas are starting to go after more moderate Democratic candidates. But it makes, uh, well, it makes uh, the districts more susceptible to turnover in the November general election because, as we know, the general election voter is far different from the primary voter, right?
1: Yes, definitely. So let's get to one more race, and then we got to call it a night. In Alabama, there's going to be a runoff for U.S. Senate. Katie Britt was the leading vote-getter, but uh-huh. back from the dead, Mo Brooks made the runoff yep. with Katie Britt. And Mike Durant has all but said he's going to endorse uh, Mo Brooks. And Mo, this right. Mo Brooks came to life after Donald Trump pulled his endorsement and kind of just, you know, called out Mo Brooks as a candidate. Maybe not as a, on policy, mm-hmm. but as a candidate. And now Mo Brooks might win this thing without um, Donald Trump's support. Um, how surprised are mm-hmm. you by the turn of events in Alabama? Well again, the pundit
2: said, you know, his campaign is resurrected and uh watch out and sure enough he finished less than sixteen points behind her and he was just he he was thirty five points behind a few weeks ago and and uh I've got to wonder that forty five point one she got is at her ceiling. Is that it for her? He got 29.4 and with Durant endorsing him, not to mention the city of Huntsville is a pretty good Republican power base to operate from, and that's where Mo Brooks is from. If he gets those northern Alabama voters out again, look out. He might uh, he might just uh, win the thing. What's Trump going to do then? Say, well, I was for him all along and thanks to me, he won. I, I say that's what yeah, Trump will I, I, say. What do I have you think? no
1: idea how he spends it. Um, but yeah. I do know this. Mo Brooks has been running against Mitch McConnell saying he won't support Mitch McConnell if – and I still think it's an if. I, I think the Senate is more likely to stay Democratic than the House. If Mitch McConnell or the Republicans take back over and have 51 seats – could there be a mutiny um, on Mitch McConnell's hands for people, from people like Mo Brooks? That's a big discussion we'll have to have another time. But I do know that him running hard against Mitch McConnell, if that gets replicated, that could be something to watch.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, um, next week we'll be back on the show. We'll have Catherine back from celebrating her birthday another year wiser. Um, until then, the Kudzu Vine. Good night, guys. Good night, everybody.
0: We are the heirs of that first revolution. We're strong and united.